Now everybody say pray first. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. And Father, right now, we just come to you and we listen. We don't listen with our minds, but we listen with our hearts, Father. And Holy Spirit, I just ask as each head is bowed and each eye is closed, that Holy Spirit, let them know that Father God knows who they are. That God knows who they are. And God knows where they are right now. And God knows what he placed inside of each and every individual, Father. Let them know that, not collectively, but individually, Father. And Holy Spirit, through the next several weeks, begin to show them what you have in store for them. Father, begin to show us as a church and as an individual during Pray First, Father, where we become open, what you have in store for us, Father. But Lord, let us ask the big question is, do I, do I have an altar yet? Do I have an altar that a place that I can go, a stopping point, a place that I can go back and remember? Where I'm able to lay my head upon the hard places of life and remember, Lord, that you remembered me and you knew where I was and you knew what I was going through and you knew what I needed in my life, Father, as we prepare for this communion Sunday. And Father, that during this time, that I'll begin to reflect on my priorities. Is my priority to please you or to please people? Is my priority academically, professionally, financially, relationally? Or is it to become more spiritually mature and to be more effective in building God's kingdom, Father, as we, we reset, re-energize, refocus our life, Father? And Lord, what areas of my life need to come under your submission that maybe I took back or I never surrendered? Father, during this time of pray first, let us remember those things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, James chapter 5, or excuse me, James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. I think it's interesting because it says like you've got to come close to God and then he'll come close to you. He's always been there, but if you want to go to that level of intimacy, then, then come close to God. Well, how do you do that? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So in what we see is for every believer in Jesus Christ, there is a requisite level of humility that must accompany our calling as a Christian. Because each and every one of us as a Christian have a calling in our life. And a lack of relationship skills, relationship skills, that's what we're going to talk about as soon as pray first is real relationship. We're going to talk about how to have relationship skills because we're more connected in society, but we have the least amount of personal relationship skills in our life. But our lack of relationship skills often reveals itself in our lack of humility or our unwillingness to forgive people that may have offended us purposely or not on purpose in our lives. And none of us, like Pastor Brad talked about, none of us deserve to be in the presence of God, but God receives us and God receives our brokenness just the same. 
And so as a Christian, we really have to begin to ask ourselves, do I really know what true humility is? Because so many times we think humility is a total disregard for self, or we view people having humility, and we think that they have a a lack of self-awareness in their lives. And, And while that may be somewhat true, it's not totally true. Humility does not require us to deny what God has placed in us. Psalm 37 verse 4, God has placed these desires in your heart. And humility is not quenching the desires or the bucket list items that are there in your life. It's just having them in proper authority. And humility does require that we have some perspective to gain and be clear that the power that's flowing through us, when God starts doing miracles through you, and God starts doing amazing things through you, and working through the gifts of the Spirit through you, that our gifts function from the Holy Spirit and God alone, not of us. So in other words, we did not deserve it, we didn't earn it, but it was given to us so that we could accomplish God's destiny or his purpose in our life. And God will make us acutely aware of his power in order for us to arrive at that purpose. Everybody say leadership. You know, one of the things is God has called you to be a leader, not just a follower. And so one of the things, Starting in August, we have a brand new growth track booklet. We saw a need not just to equip you, but to realize that every one of you have the potential to be a leader. And for example, the new growth track 201, or excuse me, 301 is develop your leadership. Find out what it means to be a leader at Family Life Fellowship and learn how to strengthen your character and gifting to fulfill the leadership potential. And so we've redesigned that. And so I would encourage you sometime in the future, if you desire to tap into that untapped potential inside you to be a leader or what it means to be a godly leader, look at retaking Growth Track Section 301, which is totally different. 301 is now 201 and all those kind of things. But, but think about that because we want you to understand that in your life, that you need to be a leader in your home. You need to be a leader in your business. You need to just learn how to lead your life. Amen. That's what a lot of people have problems with because they don't know how to be a leader in their own life. So you have not, I don't think, you have not been called by God if you've not allowed yourself to be broken by God. And last week in the story of Jacob, it took Jacob coming to his broken place for God to say, now I can speak to you. Now I can begin putting the pieces of your life back together. Now I can begin to show you some stuff that you can't even think or imagine in your life. Because see, it's at this point in our life, and I want to give you a warning, that it's very easy to get legalistic in your expression to God or your approach to God. Because religious legalism is about repetition, it's about rules, it's about ritual, it's not about real relationship. And real relationship is something that goes beyond that. That yes, sometimes religious ceremonies do bring into the presence of God. Don't miss what I'm saying. But I'm not saying that, that don't say, well, God, I'm going to show up at the altar at 2.36 p.m. every Thursday and your presence needs to be there. Because let me tell you, it don't work that way. Amen. So pray first is not about legalism. Because God is relational. 
What Jacob begins to show us is what pray first is a simply a relational exchange. That a heavenly father saw his son, one of his sons, who was in trouble. And not only in trouble, but was internally in distress. A heavenly father met his son at the point of his pain met his son in his questions and his doubt and possibly one of the lowest points in his life. And what I love about Genesis chapter 28 is when you read the Bible and you really read it, you begin to see that Jacob did not ask for directions and Jacob did not ask for clarity and Jacob didn't ask for anything. But Jacob simply grabbed a rock and laid down and got in position. And look what it said, verse 11. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head and lay down to sleep. Man, what a beautiful picture of humility. And what a beautiful picture of surrender. Because when we say, Lord, I don't know where I am in life. When we say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to put this back together. And one of the things that, especially men, men, we like to fix things because God created us to be fixers. But the problem is when you fix something, it can break again. But the difference between a fixer and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a mender. The Holy Spirit mends, and something that mends doesn't break easily, but it's there. It shows the signs of a scar, but it's something that is put back together that's going to last a long time. In other words, he says, I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am, so I'm just going to lay down. I'm just going to get into the position that I know that is inherent in me to do that. And God says, let me tell you what I've got planned for you. Look at verse 13 through 15. We didn't read it last week. He said, at the top of the stairway, the Lord stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Man, there's a transition of, of a father and a grandfather's faith to personal faith. And not only that, but he's showing that, man, I've got this incredible plan that's not only going to affect your life, Jacob, but it's going to affect all your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west, the south, the east, the north, and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And then I love this. He makes it very personal. What's more, I'm with you. And I'll protect you wherever you go. And one day I'll bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised you. The promise changed from Abraham to now it was personal to Jacob. God sent that word, I believe, because a lot of us are like Jacob. Jacob's at the end point of his life. He's about to break. He's about to give up. He's about to check out. 
And God gave that word to Jacob, and I believe to us, to not give up. And that's what pray first is really about, to say, you know what, I'm not going to give up. That's what these little prayer buddies is all about. It's a tangible reminder for our children not to give up. But you know what? We're using it as a tool to remind the children so that you as parents and grandparents, that every time that you see that prayer buddy, you're reminded not to give up. Amen? Amen. James, and it's a reminder of what James says, that if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. It's a reminder to our children that, hey, if you are in a hard place in life, if we can get it instilled to them now, then when they get older as students, when they get older as young adults, and they get older as middle-aged adults, whatever, that, man, if I draw close to God, he's always been there, and then he will draw close to me. See, what Jacob, and let's be real, all of us need is our altar is not for God. God doesn't need altars from people, but we create altars. We erect altars. We have a stuffed animal prayer buddy. We have a Tuesday night soak worship service where you're just going to soak in the presence of God. It's real going to be organic. We have prayer and pizza on Tuesday simply to remind ourselves that we are not alone, to remind ourselves that we are participating in a plan that predates and outlasts us. The altar is about perspective. Everybody say perspective. It's remembering on communion to get back that perspective as I remember what Jesus did for me when I was in my hard place. Because the reality is life is not going to start with you and it's not going to end with you. It's going to go on. Life is about us playing our role, our position. But life is ultimately about trusting the Lord to get us where he wants us to be. Jude chapter 24 and 25, or Jude 24, 25. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away. And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Everybody say pray first. Pray first reminds us of that. The story of Jacob is profound when you begin to break it down. Because think about it, Jacob was an unscrupulous, conniving man who had stolen his brother's birthright, stole from his family, and yet God met with him. Not after he got cleaned up, but when he was running as a fugitive from his own house. And Jacob had nowhere else to go. You ever been there? You ever been there when, when everybody, you've burned every bridge with family and friends? And all of a sudden you have nowhere else to go. And God meets him in a desert. And God tells him his future. And Jacob builds an altar to elevate that moment. He said, God met me right there. And it was my desert. But now I'm turning it into my home. I'm going to worship God at the hardest place in my life. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to get mad at God. But at the hardest place in my life, I'm going to worship God. And I'm going to encapsulate that moment 
as a place of celebration, in a place of honor, in a place of remembering what Jesus did at my most difficult place in my life, that God met me right here. And when you bring communion, the communion elements are going to be right beside the rock. And when you come to partake of communion in about five minutes, remember, remember, remember the hard place in your life and when Jesus met you there. That's why these rocks are up here. The practical application is Jacob's willingness to lay down, to worship, and to get into position to receive. That's what Pray First is simply about. Simply to get our lives back into position to receive. And when we prioritize the presence of God over the cares of this life, And this is when and how God can begin to speak to us and reach us. Or the question is, do we say, God, hold on a second. Hold on a second. My, my kids have this. Or I need to check my social media likes. Well, the phone just buzz, ding, bang, dang, lang, whatever the phones do. I better check it, etc., etc. Is there any place in our lives where you can be totally devoted to God? And that's why I'm going to encourage you. We'll put a table out there again so that when you walk in for 21 days of prayer to leave your cell phone on the table out there so you're not distracted by the ding, the whiz, the bang, the buzz, whatever it is. But to be for least some part of an hour totally focused on God. Everybody say pray first. Because is there that place in your life right now where you are totally focused to God? Because when you're just 100% all out to God, then God is able to respond to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. That during pray first, to leave that phone, we'll get you a hardcore Bible. You know, whatever it is, we'll get you a notepad and a pen. But just to say, you know what, I'm going to be focused on God tonight. I'm going to be focused on him. I'm not going to worry about sitting by my friends. I'm going to be focused on God. I want my children. I want my friends. I want my family. I want my spouse. I want whoever in my life to see that for a little bit of time, I can be focused on God. Why? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, new person, by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. What does God want for my life? How do you find it? Everybody say, pray first. Great start. That's winning from within. That is winning from within. That is winning from within. Laying it all down. Saying, hey God, tonight I'm yours. Speak to me at your leisure. Speak to me without interruptions of anything in my life. I'm focused, I'm in position. I'm available for you to speak, to give me direction, to download wisdom and guidance in my life. And all this creates a winning within. The altar 
is where the old you starts to die. And the new you that God has called can begin to emerge and live like never before. So as I get ready to close, Jacob was weary. Jacob was ready to give up. But Jacob knew enough to lay down in his hard place. And I love it because God himself didn't send a man. He didn't send an angel. But God himself prophesied to Jacob. God himself spoke to him and gave Jacob something to look forward to. God himself told Jacob, these things that you see are not as they are. And Jacob, we're going to call your life into reality and existence. And then Jacob built an altar that he would never forget. And that's really, over the last six, seven years, pray first has simply become an altar. 1 through 21, August and 1 through 21, January, 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. Simply a place of returning. Simply a place of remembering. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Genesis 35.1 in the Message Bible. Everybody say returning, remembering. That's what communion's all about. I'm going to read this one scripture and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to come receive come receive communion. Genesis 35.1. God spoke to Jacob, go back to Bethel. Now we've been in Genesis 28. Go back to Bethel, the house of God. Stay there. Go back to Bethel. Stay there and build an altar to the God who revealed himself to you when you were running for your life from your brother Esau. From your brother Esau. In Genesis 35, we see that Jacob returned to the altar at Bethel in remembrance that he didn't pray, he didn't worship, he just inherently laid down, got into position. He knew enough to do that. And in the hardest place in his life, God spoke to him there. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, as we get ready to take communion, it's a place of returning. It's a place of remembering. Communion in the house of God is always a place that we're able to come home. It's a place that we're able to remember that we met God and God met us. The place of remembering is a place where we can take our spouse, where we can take our children, our grandchildren, our friends. And we can say, I remember when God spoke to me here. And I can remember what God said to me here. And I can remember to what I was feeling at that moment. And how I suddenly felt a transformation in my life when I realized that God knew who I was. And God knew where I was. And God knew what I was going through. 
And God spoke destiny into my life. God knew my state of mind. But most of all, Father, as we get ready to take communion, I remember what I felt afterwards. I remember what I felt afterwards the first time I said yes to Jesus. I remember what I felt when I had said yes to Jesus, but I wandered away. But when I came back, I remember that feeling. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, and I want you to hear this prophetic word with your heart because I believe God is whispering to you during this communion Sunday. And this is what it is. Who you have been is not all that you are. And it is not all that you shall become. Who you have been is not all that you are. And it is not all that you shall become. Father, I just ask that you seed that word in their hearts. Father, we pray over the communion elements. Father, let them remember, help us remember those special places, those special moments when you spoke to us, Holy Spirit, when you comforted us, when you gave us peace, when you gave us joy, when you gave us counsel and guidance. In Jesus' name.